0: Have you ever wondered why bad things happen to good people? Anybody? Or maybe you've wondered if something is truly of God because it maybe seems too hard or too painful. Or maybe you look at someone going through a hard time and I really hope at this time you're using your inside your head voice and not outside voice and you say, what did they do that God is punishing them? Or perhaps karma or whatever you believe. But maybe you're wondering, you look at a circumstance and you're saying, what's going on here? This can't possibly be from God. Or maybe if you believe in who Jesus says he is, maybe during some difficult times you maybe question his goodness. Is God really good? If he was good, would he allow me to go through this? Would he allow this person to go through this? As we're going through the letter from Paul to the church he started to help at Philippi, we need to know and understand that Paul was in prison. Uh, Many times Paul had been beaten and imprisoned, and this time he was in prison for an extended period of time. And the, the church in Philippi was going through a hard season. They could easily have become discouraged and given up hope for what God was trying to do in their midst. But the Apostle Paul recognized that the church in Philippi needed something. They needed an encouragement. They, they could have easily been discouraged by his imprisonment. And uh, he's quick in this letter that he sends to them uh, to make sure that his imprisonment isn't a source of discouragement for them. He doesn't want them to be downcast. He wants to encourage them and challenge them to keep moving forward. Last week we talked about the unshakable work of God in our lives. Which means that uh, for those who believe in Jesus, God has started something. He has planted something in their lives and it doesn't fully depend on us. It's God's goodness that makes it come to fruition. And there's a tension there that it's about what God is out doing. But we have a responsibility to participate in that work. And this continues this morning. Paul is challenging the Philippians to take comfort that God is faithful in the work that he begins and that he will complete. And this letter is meant to encourage people that are going through a tough season. And it's important to understand what encouragement is. Because encouragement isn't just affirmation going, good job, it's not just about that. Encouragement is literally meant to give courage. So it's literally meant to go out there and keep going, to have the courage to step forward it's not just about making you feel better, but it's about helping you to press on and to press forward into what God is calling you to. So this morning we're seeing how the imprisonment of Paul not only doesn't hinder what the gospel is doing, it actually helps to advance the gospel. And it's, it almost seems illogical or ironic that Paul's being in prison helps the good news to go out there. But it's important for us to understand what the word gospel means. It's a term that gets used all over the place. But essentially what it means is good news. And it's the good news of salvation that is offered through Jesus the Christ. And so it's even more than just good news though. It's the announcement of transformation from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's saying that he's the creator of the entire world and the universe and everything in it. And he cares about each one of us so much that he offers us a way to be reunited with him. So all of humanity has rebelled and rejected God as their king. And Jesus is the source of all life. It says this all throughout the Bible, but in, uh, in John 1... It says that Jesus is the light of the world. He, is the, he was before all things, and through him, he created all things. God is the source of all life. And so the natural thing that happens is if you cut off something from something that is living, it will wither and die. And that's what's happened with humanity. Humanity has pushed God away and said, I don't want you to be my king, and because of a result, we have withered and died. And this rebellion is called sin. And so it naturally leads to death. And in order to redeem us and the whole world, God the Father sent Jesus, his son, to live the perfect life and to die the perfect death as a sacrifice in order to defeat sin and death once and for all. And so those who respond to this through faith and obedience and repentance are redeemed, become ambassadors of the king, And then are able to experience real life and transformational life in community. And so this is a moment, but it's also a process, this transformation. So salvation happens in a moment. It happens when you say, I want to follow Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe that he died on the cross and that he didn't stay dead, but he resurrected. And so that happens in a moment, that choice of belief. But then it's an ongoing process. So it can't just be about that moment. It has to be an ongoing process where you follow Jesus more and more in relationship. That's what the gospel means. It means we believe that Jesus is the good news and that we want to continue to follow him and be agents and be those who tell other people about the hope that can found in Jesus the Christ. And so as we're this morning, we're, we're looking at Paul. And we're looking at what he has said about the gospel and how his imprisonment has actually helped to spread the gospel. So if you have uh, a Bible with you, or if you want to grab one out of the, the back of the pew, I'm reading out of uh, Philippians 1, 12 to 18a, and uh, it'll also be on the screen behind me. And I'm reading out of uh, the NIV, the New International Version. And it says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters... And he's rejoicing. That's almost laughable, isn't it? How many prisoners have you seen in movies or in real life that are in there laughing? Because they're like, "Woo! I'm in prison. This is awesome. But Paul's not a masochist, okay? He doesn't like being in prison. What's he rejoicing in? He's rejoicing that the good news, the gospel, is being proclaimed because he's in prison. So Paul has the eternal perspective. Paul is saying, what I'm going through is hard it's painful but it's good not because of my pain but because of what my pain is accomplishing now that is a miracle in and of itself because who here likes to suffer oh i thought there'd be at least one okay oh there's one okay uh but no we don't like to suffer so it's the work of god in our lives that is making this possible now it's a hard calling for us to be like yeah i'm going through hardships let's rejoice Let's rejoice, not because of our hardships, but because of what the hardships are accomplishing. So Paul, after his, his introduction in the first 11 verses of this, he starts by saying, I want you to know. So this marks the, introduction from his in, or the transition from his introduction to the main part of his letter. And Paul is, is following the traditional form of letters in this Greco-Roman time. He starts with his introduction and goes straight into the reason he is writing. And the people hearing this letter would have heard it read out loud. One person would have gotten them all together and started reading this out loud. And they would have been sitting here with bated breath going, okay, now he's getting to the meat. We want to actually know how Paul is doing. We know he's in prison. And we sent uh, our pastor to him to bring him some offering money in order to help him because you had to pay to be in prison. Get that for fair. And uh, if you wanted to eat, that is. But uh, but." They're waiting, okay, how is Paul doing? And what do they hear? They hear, instead of how he's doing physically or emotionally or spiritually, Paul says the gospel's going forward. That's how Paul's doing. He is so in love with the work that Jesus has called him to do, he can't help but relate how he is doing to how the gospel is doing. He says, I'm in chains, and the gospel is advancing. And he says, I'm doing great. The gospel's going forward. He doesn't even mention how he's doing physically. He doesn't say, I'm sick, I'm ill, I wish I had more food, I wish I had more comfort. No, he says the gospel's doing great. And so Paul's whole life is about spreading the gospel. So for him, in order to share about how he's doing, he has to share about how the gospel is doing. I wish that could be true of all of us. If someone asks, how are you doing, be like, I had the opportunity to share about Jesus the other day, so I'm doing great. Instead of being, well, you know, I have this circumstance I'm going through, and I have this, and... No, it like if our lives were wholly about the gospel we couldn't help but share with the work I'm doing that Jesus is doing through me it's amazing I can't help but be excited so his life is so consumed with the mission of Jesus that no matter his circumstances be it jail or freedom he's excited as long as the gospel is being preached and lives are being transformed that's what Paul is all about and so the lesson for us there's gospel advance no matter what our circumstances are. It would have been natural for them to assume that uh, since Paul, as a missionary, was in prison, his whole job was to go around the world and share about Jesus, that his mission was being stopped. As a missionary, if you can't be with people that you're supposed to tell about Jesus, then how can you do what you're called to do? But Paul shows that the advance of the gospel is unshakable. God makes sure it happens no matter what, if people are faithful so in, in fact, in, it's not just in spite of Paul being in prison, but because of the adversity he's going through, that the gospel's going forward. So the, the natural question for us here is, what is our response to adversity? When we are going through a hardship, when we are going through a physical ailment, when we are going through something difficult, what's our response? Do we like Paul, get excited as long as the gospel is going forward or do we ask like I did in the beginning, what did I do wrong? Or what did they do wrong? So God might be working in circumstances in our lives in ways that we don't understand. And we may never understand this side of eternity. We may never understand why this person gets cancer and this person doesn't. But make no mistake, people are watching us. If you say you're a Christian, and you say that you're you're happy you're a Christian, but then something comes into your life and hits you like a railway car, people watching you and saying, well, they say they they believe in eternity, They, they say they believe in Jesus, but then they became a miserable person when they got sick. That's a witness. But if instead, people are like Pastor Neil, and he's the same way that he is. Is what he's going through difficult? Absolutely. Could I wish that he would get taken away this moment? Absolutely. But God is using him. Not just in spite of what he is going through, but perhaps because of what he is going through. There are nurses that that I've heard flip coins because they want to be the ones to go and see him that day because he is that pleasant to be around. He is the same person, not just in spite of what he's going through, but God is using him powerfully through this. And may that be true for all of us. If something hard comes along, we could be like Paul and say, as long as I have the opportunity to share my faith with people I interact with, then it's good. I've shared this before, but I have a a good friend that was only uh, a year or two older than me, and uh, she she died of breast cancer a year and a half ago. And through the, the journey of walking with cancer, she eventually came to the place where she said, if one more person is in heaven because I had cancer, I'm glad I have cancer. And in the end she she no longer she asked people stop praying for me to be healed pray that god would be glorified through my cancer she was excited to be in heaven but what she was most excited by is seeing other people in heaven because of her life and may that be true for all of us May we, no matter what we are going through we can have the eternal perspective to say as long as god is being glorified this is better so no matter what we are going through god Is unshakable and if we cling to him if we allow him to work in our lives then our faith can be unshakable but are we relying on God or are we relying on our circumstances for our faith so God may be teaching us through some hardships that we're going through the Bible is rife with times when God allows us to go through something difficult to try and teach us to refine us to do something but may we be people that no matter what we are going through We can be people of hope because it's not about our circumstances it's about what God is doing so the gospel also advances to those who are far from God so Paul directly links him being in chains to the gospel going forward and uh, for Paul uh, the way that this would have worked back then is he was chained directly to someone from the palace guard so it would have been kind of upper soldiers And often in these times, Romans would be chained directly to the prisoner for four-hour intervals. So they would have been linked directly to Paul. And so Paul was a pretty radical guy. You don't have to read the Bible very much to to understand that Paul was a, a super radical guy. And so depending on your perspective here, you could even think, well, poor Paul. You know, like that would be so uncomfortable. You don't have privacy. You're chained to a guy four hours of the day and then it changes but but if you really think about it those poor soldiers (laughs) you know they would have believed in all of the the greco-roman gods and here you have this guy who is so radical about jesus that he can't stop talking about him and gets sent to prison now imagine you can't leave for four hours so there, there's this movie, uh, and I won't say the title of it because it doesn't really matter, and I wouldn't recommend it, but it's, it kind of has anti-heroes in it. And there's this, uh, this guy called Rorschach, and he's, he's kind of an aggressive guy, and he's, he's really physical and he can fight. And uh, he's sent a lot of people to jail because, uh, because of, uh, he's kind of the hero. And uh, he, gets, he gets arrested and sent to prison. And it uh, doesn't take very long for a whole group of people to attack him. And he defends them all off, fights them all off, and the guards actually have to come in and, uh, and take hold of him because he's hurting so many people. And he screams out, you have to remember, I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. To try and scare them all and realize. And that's, I could imagine Paul saying that to the guys. Be like, you have to remember, I'm not chained to you. You're chained to me, and I've got a captive audience for four hours, so sit down and listen up. And so Paul's looking at this as an opportunity. He can share his faith with someone who can't go away. But Paul actually says that these palace guards are coming to faith in Jesus, and he rejoices at that. What other opportunity would he have had to spend four-hour intervals with these guards and they couldn't go anywhere? For Paul, instead of going, well, this sucks, he goes, Oh, great, a captive audience, and they can't leave no matter what. So, Paul is going on and sharing with every opportunity that he possibly can. And then in verse 14, Paul goes on to say that the gospel advances more boldly because of his chains. So, Paul realizes that there are other people whose faith is actually being catalyzed and is being encouraged because of what Paul is going through. So, Paul was, Paul was a great public speaker. He would have went into places, found where people that might have been people that were interested in seeking God, and he would share faith with them. And so these people had heard about Paul. He, uh, everywhere he would go, he usually would stir up a riot or something. People would beat him up, and people would get mad at him because he was so radical. But So people knew about Paul. They had heard about Paul. And so they had heard this guy that had preached about suffering for Jesus and advancing the gospel no matter what. And now they're seeing him practice what he preached. And that encourages them. They go, well, he talked about it. He talked a good talk. And now I see him walking a good walk. And so those who maybe were on the fence actually decided I'm going to commit and I'm actually going to follow Jesus through this time. And so... Paul, no matter all the the trials that he's going through, he's able to remain joyful and hopeful because he sees what God is doing through him. And uh, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I think it's, I think it's pretty clear re- reading about Paul, but he was kind of a doer. He liked to do things. He liked to go places. And so I think God wanted to slow him down so he could actually write a few really good letters that we have as the Bible. And four of these specifically are called the prison letters or epistles is kind of the... The um, formal name but these this includes the letter of Philippians Ephesians Colossians and Philemon and all four of these are rich and they were used by God to benefit the church and believers to this day so Jesus redeemed Paul's time in prison by helping him to write these really rich letters so uh, what happens at times of persecution in the church through church history and even through watching in Philippians here is that only those who truly believe that Jesus is worth dying for, that their faith is worth dying for, those are the only ones that you would find gathering together, praying together. And all throughout church history, it's been times when the church is most persecuted, that it actually grows the fastest and the best. One of the most recent examples of this is in communist China. During communist China, they tried—they kicked out all missionaries, imprisoned the ones that wouldn't leave, and the church exploded. It started through house church movements. People started gathering together secretly. And during times of hardships, when it actually becomes illegal to be a Christian, you're not a Christian because it makes you feel good. You're not a Christian because it gives you acceptance. You're not a Christian because of any of these peripheral things. You would only be a Christian because it's worth dying for. And so when the church goes through times of persecution, it's God showing who is most committed, who is actually here for the right reasons. And so sometimes God uses times of hardships to help people actually see if their faith is real. So when you actually have times when you have to actually question, is God truly good? Is he actually good? Do I actually believe that? because it doesn't feel like what I'm going through is good. But you actually have to wrestle with your faith. It's uncomfortable. During times of suffering and persecution and discouragement, we have to actually ask, do I believe what I say I believe? And only those who, who actually believe Jesus is who he said he is, stick around for that. So Paul's suffering emboldens those who actually believed in Jesus. And so the gospel, uh, Paul says, he moves on in verse 15 and 17. He actually says that the gospel advances through those who actually had bad motives. Through those who actually were trying to make Paul's suffering worse. And it could have been people who actually wanted, uh, they, were, they were fighting, it's called polemics. It's almost inward battles and they had difference of doctrine. They thought one thing, Paul thought something slightly different and they they were trying to fight or it could have actually have been people that just almost were making fun of him. They had heard him preach publicly. They didn't believe what he believed. But they went around and started preaching and saying the same things. Hoping that he would get worse treatment. But whatever it is, Paul actually addresses the concern that they had. They were, there were some people that were probably thinking, well, these people aren't Christians. And they're talking about Jesus. And they're preaching about him. But they're doing it for the wrong reasons. To bring it it down to today, and I hope hope this is surprising, but it's probably not. Uh, There are some people who preach the gospel for the wrong reasons. There are some people who have huge churches that aren't doing it for God's glory, but for their glory. Or perhaps they're doing it for money, or for fame, or for whatever. But Paul's lesson here isn't that that's a good thing, but that God can still use that. If the gospel is being preached, if the Bible is being read, if people are offering things to God, even if the, the person in front has the wrong motives, God can still be faithful and change lives. I won't speak directly about Joel Osteen, but I'll talk to you about him later. I don't want to slander somebody publicly, but I have my own personal opinion about Joel Osteen. But I'll leave that between you and him and me later. <laughs> but... Uh, Yes, there are people that that you could name that you could say, well, I don't know them. I don't don't believe the gospel they preach. But Paul isn't saying that's a good thing. And I think that there is room for saying, calling people out. But I think uh, Paul's point here is that it's more about preaching the gospel. Rather than preaching against people, we are supposed to preach the gospel. And God can still even redeem those people. And so this can apply to people at all different levels. Don't just think of this as the leaders of church. And I, I, I wish that we would think this was silly. But we as people often look at other people maybe that are succeeding at something. And you go, what, I wish I had what they had. Or I, you look at someone who's way more talented than you and be like, I wish I was that talented. But the truth is that none of us choose how talented we are. None of us choose how gifted we are. We have something to do with that, which is if you have a gift, you can develop it, you can use it, you can become better at it. But it's actually silly to look at someone and be like, well, I wish I had that gift. Because they didn't earn it, and you couldn't earn it either. It's God chooses to give different people different gifts, and it's our responsibility to steward them and to use them. And so Paul is looking at other people that are preaching the gospel for the wrong reason, and he's saying, it's okay. God will sort it all out, but amen that the gospel is being preached, even if it's for the wrong reasons. And so uh, to contradict, not to contradict, sorry, to to contrast this, the gospel is also being preached for the good motives. There are people with the right motives that are preaching. So Paul's purpose and whole reason for living was that the, the gospel would be preached, that people who were lost would be saved, that people who were only going towards death would find life. And so in Galatians one15 to 16, Paul actually talks about how he has been appointed and destined by God to preach to the Gentiles. Now Paul wanted to preach to the Jewish people. He was a Jew among Jews. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees, which means basically he was the best of the best. From a very young age, he would have been memorizing the Old Testament he knew it front to back. He was a good arguer. He could, have, he could have argued, and I've said this before, but Paul was actually so gifted and so talented that even if he didn't become a Christian, we would know his name these days because he would have been a, a Jewish rabbi that would have done amazing things. He was so talented and so gifted. But when Jesus met him, his whole life became about other people experiencing the same transformation that he did through Jesus. And so what is your life focused on? When you wake up in the morning and your eyeballs open, what is the first thing you think about? What, what makes you excited to see happen in the world? What is your driving force in life? What are you trying to accomplish by being here on earth? What's the first thing that makes you happy or joyful? What, do, what do you, where does your joy come from? And uh, this is an important question because we often ask, why are we here? When things uh, like Humboldt happen or the Toronto attack happen, the, uh, the Humboldt chaplain, uh, the pastor, team pastor said this. He said, often when there's tragedies like this, people's two questions are, uh, why and where was God? And why, he said, I'm not going to give you any trite answer. I don't know why. We don't know why some of these things happen. Sometimes we can, we can guess and we can see at the back if we look backwards in our lives, sometimes we can see some of the why. But often on this side of eternity, we won't know why. But the where was God? The Bible clearly says God was there. Jesus cares so much about suffering that he came and suffered and died. Not just to experience suffering because he was God, he knew what it was about, but so that he could walk alongside those who are suffering and give them hope He died the perfect death to give people the opportunity to have perfect life in him that's what jesus came for so jesus is there walking alongside us with us offering hope offering forgiveness offering love so what is our response to this offer of love this offer of forgiveness what is our response to the gospel yay and amen have you accepted it if not What's stopping you? You know, God is a big God, and if you reach out and you ask him questions, he'll answer. I don't know how he'll answer them, through somebody else, maybe through talking to you, maybe through if you open the Bible and read it. But God's there. He's ready. So reach out to others maybe here that you would feel comfortable asking questions. Questions are never bad. Doubt itself isn't bad if, unless you just hold on to it. Unexpressed doubt is dangerous. Doubt itself can actually be a part of faith. If you ask, is God really good? And then you bring that to him, he'll show you that he's good. But if you just question it and then walk out of church and be like, I don't know if God's good, then you haven't even given him a chance to show you his goodness and his love and his mercy and his grace. So if you have accepted the gospel, then what are you doing about it? Can people tell through your life that you are different because of something important in your life? Are you focused on the call of God that he has given you? And now the calling of God is an interesting thing because sometimes for some people it's super clear. He'll be like, do this job, go this place, do this. And then for some other people, it's go into the world and make disciples. And that's the call of God for everyone. Sometimes he's super specific with your job, with your career, your spouse. Sometimes he isn't. But the call of God from the Bible is: if you believe in Jesus and who He says He is, you have to tell other people. Not out of not out of force, but if you receive something so amazing, don't you want to tell other people? If your life is made better by knowing Jesus, not easier, but better, when you want to tell people about it. Now, uh, there's a there's a really good book we've talked about before, and it's called God Space. And it's, the whole book is about sharing your faith naturally. So sometimes in, in conversation, it feels like, well, I need to know the right things. I need to have the Bible memorized. I need to pray the right way. It, and, it, and it almost seems forced or contrived. But God's space is all about ways of actually sharing God naturally, like a normal human being, just like you share anything else. And it's funny because there's, there's all types of evangelists out there. Sometimes if somebody gets into a really good new sport, like pickleball, you can be a pickleball evangelist. People say, Have you tried this game? It's amazing. It's really good. It's awesome. And yet there's times when we, when we feel like, well, I don't, as, it's a Canadian thing, but I don't want to offend somebody. I, I know this is important to me, but I don't want to offend somebody. And you know, that actually comes down to, and this is challenging for me, but it actually comes down to who you fear the Bible actually says, uh, fear the Lord. But then it says something, it says, perfect love casts out all fear. So are we supposed to be fearful or not? But I think as human beings, we, uh, what that is saying, what it means is that uh, instead of fearing what other people think, if we are going to fear anyone, we should care about what God thinks. So if we're worried about well maybe somebody won't like me if i tell them about jesus or if i invite them to talk about faith and what they believe then we're, we're fear more fearful of them than we are about god and it says that god is the only one who's in charge of eternity so what do we care about what other people think now cautionary don't be rude don't be a jerk <laughs> And uh, I self-confessedly have done this very poorly before. I've hurt people I've cared about. I had poor advice and tried to call people out for their sin and say, you're living this way, it's wrong. And that's totally the wrong way to do it. I'll just say that right now. Because you can't expect somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus to act in a way that they would if they believed in Jesus. So Jesus, when he came to people, he never came first with condemnation. He came with love and acceptance, and then through relationship with him, he helped them to learn to follow him better. But he never came first and said, change how you are, and then come and follow me. No, he said, come and follow me, and together we'll help change you. And that's the transformation that Jesus offered. So for us as a church, God has given us a clear purpose and a point for being here. The Bible very clearly says that the, the point of church is to go and make disciples. And so as a church leadership, since the fall, and I'll be talking about more of this at the AGM, but since the fall, uh, under Pastor Neil's leadership, we've been looking for what what is God's vision for our church? Where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to be about? And we crafted a vision statement that is quite broad, and I'll talk more about it specific on May 27th. But it is real transformation for all people in Christ. And the, to break this down, so real transformation, this isn't just self-help, this isn't just let's change your behavior, that's just work on these external things. It's about actually being transformed, real transformation to becoming more and more like Jesus. And for all people, the church should be the most inclusive place in the world. So our, our uh, church should represent everybody in our city. We should be a perfect cross-section of our city. But we're recognizing we're actually missing a portion of our city. We're lacking in young people. We're lacking in children. And we want to see more and more things. We want to see more and more people that come to faith in Jesus. And uh, all throughout the the Bible, one of the main focuses of the church, even in Deuteronomy, was when you are sitting down or lying down or on the way to teach children about what God has done in your life. And so as a church, we're seeking to do that. And then the last part, in Christ. That's what it's all about. It's about Jesus and what he has done for us and what he is going to do. And so as a church, we long to see people coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, this transformation is what the gospel is all about. The gospel isn't just something we say. It's about something we do. So we share our faith and we help people to come to know Jesus. So if we actually believe in Jesus the way we're supposed to believe and we've actually experienced the gospel the way we're supposed to have experienced it, that should be what we are all about as individuals and as a church. That should be what our focus about, that we should be so focused on seeing other people experience this because we want to share what God has done for us. That should be what sets us on fire. That should be what excites us So rather than thinking about, well, I'm going through a hard thing, I'm having a hard day. Yes, we need encouragement. Yes, we need to press on. But it should be about how can my hardship possibly, how can I share my faith through this hardship? Maybe I have to go to the hospital. How can I share my faith with those in the hospital? How can I pray for people? And so as a church, we're going to be doing that. And, And my heart as an individual beats to see other people come to saving faith in Jesus. Those, those who already know Jesus, to take one step closer to him. And walk closer and closer in obedience. And those who are far from God, to take one step closer. I want to I wanna undo the, the myths that people think about Christians. People think we're stuffy. People think that we're, uh, that we're hypocritical. People think that we're legalist. I want people to know that they're loved and accepted. And I want people to be surprised when they come to this church I want people to go well I didn't think this church should be like this I actually feel loved I feel welcomed I actually want to come back because there's a lot of people that think that coming into the church maybe God will strike them with a lightning bolt or something but I want them to be surprised by how loved they feel when they come to church and I would love for that to be true and I don't and I don't say that it's not necessarily true I know that people feel loved and accepted here but I have hope that it can go more I've hoped that this time next year we could be celebrating with 20 baptisms. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing to hear story after story of changed lives? That's, that's what it's about. That's what church is about. And so now I'm not going to stand up here, though, and pretend this is easy. You know, life is hard. I started by asking that very purposely. Life, life is hard. And we all need encouragement. And that's why we're going through this series. But the, there's a whole world out there that needs to hear about Jesus. There's a whole world out there that needs to know about the love that is offered to them. And now, in top of that, life gets hard and painful, and sometimes we can be distracted. So just like in Toronto this past week, one individual that is so far in sin that they, they in their anger and their hate, they can attack other human beings. And that that breaks my heart, because that, that man needs to know about the love of Jesus. Those people who are injured and killed need to know about Jesus. But yet there are people dying every day who never heard about Jesus' love for them. Maybe someone was too scared to tell them. Maybe someone was too comfortable with the way that church was done to go out and share their faith. And so may we be encouraged that Jesus loves us enough to accept us and may that impact us enough to go out and share our faith, to be innovative with how we share the gospel, to be creative in the ways that we move through the world, that we see it's not about coming to church. This is the equipping. This is the the point where we can come together to be sent people, to be people who are in the community purposefully and give our whole lives to follow Jesus. So in in verse 18a, Paul recognizes that there are some people who preach about Jesus for their own gain and that they lead people astray. And we should be careful about this, as I said. But Paul cares so much and is so joyful and rejoices that the gospel is being preached. And may we be the same joy. May we have the same joy. May we rejoice that the gospel is being preached in this church on Sundays. And throughout the week may we be people that have on these praise and worship nights we are overflowing with people who want to stand up and share about how they were able to share about jesus that week so let us be people who are following god passionately and fervently and so the the most important thing is this doesn't rely on us i'll just say that right now the church is the hope of the world because god has called us to be that and we are to participate, and we are to do this, but it's the work of God in our lives as individuals and us as a church. So we have something to do in that, and that's participate, but it's about what God is going to do. So when the gospel is preached, the Spirit of God miraculously works in people's hearts and minds and changes them. Now, does everyone you tell about Jesus accept it? No. I'll just say that right now. People rejected Jesus. Tons of people rejected Jesus. But there were some people who captured what he said, and they set the world on fire. People that were were fishermen, that were uneducated, were able to to walk through a life of suffering and persecution all to the glory of God. And I know that sounds hard, and that's because it is. But it's worth it. Because our lives aren't for this life. Our lives are for eternity. And so wouldn't we want our lives to do something? When I ask you what's the point of living, why do you get out of bed in the morning? May it be to see God be glorified. May it be to see other people in eternity because of your life. So God continues to advance the gospel through the weakness and suffering of his people today. And as we find ourselves surrounded by those who are going through hard things, when we are going through hard things, may we be people of hope, and, joy and rejoicing at the Lord. Let me, uh, let me pray for us. And then as you feel led by the Holy Spirit or uh, what's going on in your heart, if you, if you wanna come up to the front and I'll pray for you or if you'd like to sit and talk with somebody or if you'd like to stand and worship joyfully and rejoice at what God is doing, do as you feel led this morning. So please join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the work that you have begun in the lives of your people. And I pray for us as a church and as individuals here that we would be impacted by what you are doing in our lives, Jesus. When we we leave this place, we aren't going ahead of you. You have went ahead of us and you have given us tasks to do. And it's not about earning our salvation. It's not about doing things who so are accepted. It's because we're loved, because we're accepted, we're able to move forward no matter our circumstances. And we are able to share the hope that can be found in you alone. So may we be people who are full of hope and joy. And may we be people who share about you, Jesus. I pray for those here this morning that don't yet have a relationship with you, Jesus. And I say not yet because I have hope that they would come to you, Jesus. I have hope that no matter where they are, no matter where their hearts are at, Jesus, that they would take one step closer to you. And I pray for those of us here this morning that would say, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I accept the gospel, that we would be people who would take one more step closer to you. I pray you would set our hearts on fire of passion for your name that we couldn't help but share about you, Jesus. So I thank you, and as we stand and worship you this morning, may we do that in spirit and in truth. In your mighty name we pray, amen.